Hello and welcome to another Spency on Soaps with me, Susan Spence. We're looking forward to the week of July the 5th. Do you know, I don't know what was wrong with me last week. I was saying that the World Cup was finishing. For some reason, I kept on thinking it was coming to an end. Uh, but it's this is the final week uh, that the, we have the World Cup interrupting our soaps. It's funny how many people have said to me, you know what, I'm fed up with that World Cup interrupting my soap viewing. Um, as I think I said last week, I, I actually I'm going to miss the World Cup when it finishes. Uh, but yeah, it does make life easier when we know exactly when the soaps are on. So only slightly mucked up this week. So check the uh, the TV guide uh, just to make sure. But it, overall, um, we're kind of back to normal. Uh, let's start off with Emmerdale then. And well, actually, should we do Emmerdale? Why don't we do... Not that this is planned or anything, you understand. Why don't we do EastEnders first? Because uh, Denise will be regretting her decision to stand by Lucas this week when he attacks her and leaves her for dead. After hours of questioning, she returns from the police station to find that Chelsea is doubting her innocence. And while Libby doesn't go that far, it's clear the thought that her mum killed her dad, Owen, has crossed her mind. Now, for Denise... This is the worst possible outcome. Her girls mean everything to her. Liz is astounded that Denise has been freed. As far as she's concerned, Denise killed her son and she wants her to pay. There's an ugly confrontation in the square that knocks Denise for six. And ironically, the only person she can talk to is Lucas, the very man who killed Owen. And he drops another bombshell by revealing he didn't help Trina when she was dying, so is ultimately responsible for her death. Now, as you can imagine, this freaks Denise out. Lucas admits to her it's time he gave himself up and asks her to drive him to the police station, but only after he's taken his usual Bible class. Now, this is the point that you realise he has something up his sleeve. Chelsea and Libby see their mum drive out of the square alone, but what they don't see is that around the corner she stops to pick up Lucas, who gets in the driver's seat. Instead of going to the police station, Lucas tells Denise he's taking her to be baptised. I know. As if. Uh, terrified of what he might do, Denise goes along with it. However, when they arrive at a disused quarry and Lucas tells her she's being baptised in the lake, that's when she snaps and tells him exactly what she thinks of his God and his religion. Perhaps not the best idea because uh, Lucas doesn't take it well and the red mist comes down. Now, his brazenness when he returns to the square is really quite breathtaking. He makes out as if he's as surprised as everyone else that Denise has gone missing. But it's um, a clever plan on the preacher's part as it won't be long before people think Denise couldn't cope with her actions and has taken her own life. Basically, uh, the girls receive a text from her saying, I'm sorry. Later on, the police recover a car from the lake um, and also, well, kind of an arm appears. Is it Denise? Is she living? Is she dead? I, I think that um, Di Parrish, who plays Denise, is a great actress, so it would be a real shame if she did uh, leave. But uh, watch it this week and he, everything will unfold. Um, Phil, otherwise in the um, storylines in EastEnders, feels powerless as it looks as if Ben will face at least six weeks in juvenile detention. We kind of know that's going to happen based on the fact that the little guy who plays uh, ben is being replaced, so he kind of goes off for a while and then comes back. Now, after taking his anger out on Jordan for grassing Ben up in the first place, he decides taking Ben and Louise on the run is his only option. Not the smartest 
nicest thing he's ever come up with. But then he is Phil Mitchell. Now, when he gets home, he's not best pleased to find a house full of people and Ben singing karaoke. Embarrassed to be caught by his dad, Ben races upstairs, leaving Ian to give him a mouthful on parenting skills. Surprisingly, the pair reminisce about their own fathers and Phil makes it up with Ben. However, he hasn't changed his mind about running away, even when Shirley catches him packing the children's bags. Peggy and Glenda are still competing for Mum of the Year. Glenda sickens Peggy, and me too, and probably you, when she moves in on Phil, her own nephew, even if it is only by marriage. Uh, It's clear she just wants to wind her nemesis up, and it works. Poor Ronnie gets caught in the crossfire too. It's her 36th birthday, and of course both women want to do something for her. In the end, it comes down to the toss of a coin. Peggy's home cooking beats Glenda's theatre tickets and the whole family sits down to a less than harmonious meal, especially when the women have some surprising present ideas up their sleeve. Who will win? Well, at least Ronnie does get a bunk up with Jack. Uh, He wants to come home for her birthday meal, but when he tries to demonstrate that he's regaining his mobility, he falls in a heap on the floor. Now, keen to ease her fiancé's embarrassment, Ronnie has a little bit of a saucy idea of her own and locks the doors. Hmm, but will there be another surprise in store for Ronnie a bit later on? Uh, the Cryed storyline starts up again this week. Isn't it funny how one minute certain characters are everywhere, they're on screen all the time, and then the next they disappear for weeks? Well, in a bid to move on, Christian decides to sell his stake in Masala Queen to Zainab, which upsets Saeed, who's been busy being cured of his gayness. Also this week in EastEnders, Minty throws Darren out after he loses their World Cup tickets. He accuses Jodie of taking them but has to do a U-turn when it turns out Heather washed his trousers without checking his pockets. As you'd expect, Jodie quickly forgives Darren because she's that kind of girl and then helps him find new digs at Max's. So it's an, a hot week actually in, in EastEnders. Tons going on. Although it's it's still always one of these soaps that leaves me sometimes a little depressed but um, there's some cracking storylines to look forward to this week nonetheless Emmerdale then and uh, well as we all expected Kane is the mystery blackmailer and uh, after telling him she's got nothing to hide and he won't be getting a penny Natasha's soon left wondering if she's done the right thing Uh, Nathan finds a birthday present on the doorstep for Maisie he manages to quickly rip off a tag signed from dad before she notices and he and Natasha are relieved when it turns out to be a watch The next day, though, Natasha arrives home to find a wedding photo of her and Mark ripped in two. Someone's been in the house. Now, the games don't end there and she's again shaken when Kane threatens to get to them via Maisie. Nathan's furious at the threats and warns Kane that they're not the only ones who have a family. Uh Uh-uh. Of all the things to say to Kay, all I can say is watch out, Will. Now, Charlie's got a brain tumour. Diane learns the sad news from Rodney, as Charlie hasn't got the heart to tell her himself. And although she's distraught, she vows to stand by him and says she wants to move to France as they planned for as long as they've got left. It leaves Doug in a bit of a hideous place, as earlier he publicly accuses Charlie of having an affair. Basically, he followed him to his place of work, which was all shut up, leading Doug to jump to his own conclusions and Diane, well, not being happy. In a way, though, he was kind of right. It was all too good to be true, the whole Charlie and Diane thing. 
just not in the way he had hoped. Holly's back on the drugs, big style. Her willpower doesn't last long as while she's out at a club with Aaron and Jackson, she bumps into Roz and immediately falls back into her drug-taking ways. Already fueled by booze, she takes a couple of lines of coke provided by Roz and an ecstasy pill is easy for you to see, which she gets off a guy in the club. Now, the concoction basically knocks her for six and she has no idea what's going on, feels totally out of it, so she locks herself in a toilet cubicle. Roz is freaked out and runs off to get Aaron and Jackson and in a panic, Aaron takes matters into his own hands and gets her back to his so that her parents don't see the state she's in. It's a dangerous plan given they've got no idea what she's taken, but it pays off and Aaron lies to Paddy that Holly just had too much to drink. Paddy agrees not to tell John and Moira, but it leaves Aaron in a difficult situation, despite Holly insisting she won't do anything like that again. It is a big secret to keep, plus we know she can't be trusted and it will happen again. Now, just what is the matter with Nico? He's doing all he can to avoid sleeping with Maisie. She takes matters into her own hands by telling him that she's deciding their date for the night and it's a night alone at home farm. However, he fails to succumb to her charms and as they get intimate, he makes his excuses and leaves. Now, I reckon he's either still a virgin or he is something like HIV. It has to be a big thing and we'll find out next week because he reveals it all to his brother Jay who actually hasn't been in it for a while but we'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, Layla's distraught when she stumbles across the D- DVD of David and Tanya. Remember when she tried to seduce him and all of that and Nathan was involved? Uh, David tries to give her his version of events but she's not interested and asks him to leave. Clearly she has a major change of heart though as she later tells a surprise David and us that he's done nothing wrong and she feels terrible that she put him in so much pressure in the first place or put him under so much pressure. Now, we know that he didn't actually do anything, but still, he must think all of his Christmases have come at once. Also this week in Emmerdale, Shadrach keeps drinking despite the doctor's orders to lay off. Viv lets Bob take the twins to see Jamie in Newquay. Big of you, Viv. Jay and Faye kiss and admit to each other there is an attraction there. Well, we could have told them that young so good, couldn't we, really? And Chaz is annoyed with Carl as he makes no effort when Aaron and Jackson come for dinner, preferring to go to the pub instead and flirt with Eve. Well, it's not a secret that I just cannot bear the character of Carl and I just think Chaz should move on to somebody else and leave him on his own because there's only one person that guy loves and that's himself. And on to Corey then. Corey kind of goes all macho this week. Uh, Lloyd still reeling from the beating when Cheryl reveals that it was actually her violent husband Chris who hit her, not Mal, and Lloyd's shocked to hear it's not the first time. She demands he takes her home, leaving him puzzled as to why she won't go to the police. Now, when he reluctantly drops her off, Chris watches on as she thanks Lloyd with a hug. Lloyd returns to streetcars, where Steve demands to know why the strip club taxi contract has been cancelled. Oh, dear. Now, uh, that's the least of his worries, though, because he later receives a call from Cheryl begging him to come and get her. Chris has hit her again. Lloyd races over to rescue her and little Russ, but as he bundles him into the car, Chris gives chase. It's more like the Sweeney than Corey, really, this one. Uh, Realising the danger they're both in, Lloyd invites them to stay at his flat. 
Now, of course, a man like Chris is never going to stand for it and he turns up at the cab office. He's not going to give up without, give it up without a fight. Now, it all gets very heated and Steve has to step in between Lloyd and Chris. Now, Lloyd's not happy that Cheryl agrees to chat with her husband but realises it's the only way to resolve things and he looks after Russ. She returns saying Chris was full of apologies but Lloyd is relieved when she asks to stay at his a little while longer as uh, she sorts her head out. You can't see this ending in anything else but tears, really, can you? And it's not the most interesting of storylines, really, let's face it. Uh, Tornado Carla storms back into town. Nick's oblivious to what's coming. He's delighted when the girls finish the order before the deadline. And Dave, the client, rewards them with more work. However, it's Sean who's suspicious of what Nick's up to, forcing him to confess they work for Nick's Nick's now and not underworld smelling a rat he calls Carla who's just got back from the World Cup and leaves a garbled message now she's unable to get hold of Nick and Carla heads to the street where Leanne explains how she helped Nick to get the factory back up and running Carla's grateful to her mate but when she walks into Turner's and Nick welcomes her to Nick's Nick's she demands to know what's going on I do love how Alison King plays Carla. She's very, very formidable and a little scary at times, so it's great to have her back on the street. Uh, She's stunned to hear how Nick has stolen her whole business and vows to call a solicitor to sort it all out. However, Nick calls her bluff, leaving her fuming and with revenge, her sole purpose. Mm, Never cross Carla corner. Leanne's also shocked by Nick's deceit and uh, Peter's quick to give Carla all the help she needs with getting Turner's shut down. Remember, it's still training as a restaurant. And then she contacts Dave and undercuts Nick on the order as well as taking all her staff back. It's Nick's first taste of the wrath of Carla Connor and he's left shell-shocked. There is a little twist in all of this, though. Leanne forgives Nick's deception and helps him out with George, even slipping out of Simon's birthday party to help. He thanks her with a champagne toast. And where is this going, you wonder? And what will Peter, Carla and Natasha have to say? Well... We kind of know it's going to get more and more complicated as the weeks go on. Uh, Sean uses Liz's identity to make contact with Violet on the internet. He's emotional when he sees a picture of Dylan for the first time, while Violet reveals that she and Jamie have split and she's bringing him up on her own. Michelle suggests he chat to Violet online to get more info. This is another storyline that's going to end in tears. And at last, Kieran and Michelle go on a date. He cooks her a romantic meal. He is a chef after all and moves in for a kiss. This storyline, I kind of think, comes out of nowhere, really, and it all seems a bit forced, but we'll see what happens with it. Also this week, Norris is horrified when Emily offers Graham her spare room. Becky and Steve get the wrong end of the stick when they see Eddie and Anna pushing a buggy. And Natasha tries to get Nick to move in with her, while Lewis continues to flirt with Deirdre. So there you go, you're up to date with Emmerdale, Coronation Street and EastEnders for the week of July the 5th. Uh, Have a good week and we'll catch you back next week. Thanks for listening to Spency on Soaps. See ya.